Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm Fire, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, it's coming up to summer, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, I know we've got listeners in the Southern Hemisphere as well, but uh, one of the popular summer activities is tennis. And that's what we're talking about today. So one of the questions which I've always wondered and has come up a couple of times here on ELI 5 is why is tennis scored the way it is? You know, 15, 30, 40, uh, and then deuce. That's definitely one of the questions I had in my head when I was five. So the origins actually are thought to be medieval French. Mm. So there's a couple of theories on this. One theory, and the one I like the most, is that it came from the French game uh, Jeu de Pomme. It's a kind of a precursor to tennis, which initially used the hand instead of a racket, actually. Jeu de Pomme was very popular before the French Revolution. The traditional court was actually 90 feet in total length, with 45 feet on each side of the net. Mm. And when their server scored, he or she moved forward 15 feet. Ah. Uh, and if the server scored again, you see, if the server scored again, uh, he or she would move another 15 feet. Got it. And finally, if the score served a third time, he or she would could only move 10 feet closer. Ah, so that's how you get to the 40. Uh, but it sounds like this is not the only theory. Yeah, yeah. The other one is actually uh, that of a clock face was used to keep score on court, with a quarter move of the minute hand to indicate a score of... 15, 30, and 45. And finally, when the hand moved to 60, you know, full circle, the game was over. However, in order to ensure that the game could not be won by a by just a one-point difference in player scores, the idea of a deuce was introduced. To make the score stay within, you know, that 60 ticks of a clock face, the 45 was changed to 40. So if both players had 40, the first player to score would receive 10, and that would move the clock to 50. And if the player scored a second time before the opponent is able to score, they would be awarded another 10, and the clock would finally move to 60. The 60, again, signifies the end of the game. However, if a player fails to score twice in a row, then the clock would move back to 40 to establish another deuce. I see. That all seems to make sense. But didn't they discover a problem with this particular theory? Yeah, there is a flaw. So the first reference to tennis scoring is in the 15th century. And at that time, clocks measured only the hours. You know, they only went from 1 to 12. Uh, It was not until 1690, when the most accurate pendulum escapement was invented, that clocks regularly had minute hands. So the concept of tennis scores originating from the clock phase could not have come from medieval times. Why do people say love to mean zero in tennis? Oh, also a really good question. So some people think it comes from the phrase playing for love, meaning without stakes being wagered for nothing. And the other explanation, which I personally like, is that it comes from the French expression uh, for the egg, Mm. uh, Louvre, probably butchering that pronunciation. But it's because an egg looks like the number zero. Ah, that actually sounds similar to the origins of a term, uh, a duck, in cricket. That, that's right. Uh, supposedly from duck's egg, referring to a, bats, a batsman in cricket who has been called out without scoring a single run. Now, there's something in tennis which uh, I've always wondered, and maybe you can explain this one. Uh, you know Novak Djokovic. Uh, every time he goes to serve, he picks up like three or four tennis balls. 
uh, from the ball boys or ball girls and immediately he throws them back one or two. So he's like making some selection. What is he looking for? What is he doing there? Ooh, that's a great observation. So when tennis players do that, they're looking at the fur and the bounce even. Uh, it's kind of like a baseball player, a baseball pitcher choosing between pitches. You know, sometimes you want a fastball and sometimes you want a changeup. So most often when you see them looking at the balls, they're looking at how much fur is on the ball. If there's less fur, then the ball will go faster through the air and is normally used for their first serve. They also look for a really furry ball to maybe generate more spin on their second serve. Very interesting. Uh, why are tennis balls furry or hairy in the first place? It's all about that drag force. In tennis, we're not looking for home runs like a smooth baseball. Fuzz, the hair, actually slows the ball down to make the game a better game. Mm. And uh, another thing I've always wondered, you know, when you buy a set of tennis balls, it often comes with a lid, like a soda lid. Um, it's pressurized for some reason. Um, why is this? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, the containers, they're pressurized, yes, just like a soda can. And manufacturers pack tennis balls in airtight cans to keep the balls bouncy. Tennis balls are hollow and filled with gas. So the pressurization keeps them from deflating in transit or while sitting on the shelf. Now, if the pressurization wasn't there, the air inside the ball would get out through the fuzzy skin eventually. So some customers would end up with kind of dead balls. I see. Now, a final and very popular question that comes up uh, with, rela with uh, relation to tennis. There's this technology, which I think they call Hawkeye, um, which determines whether a tennis ball is in or out. How come that hasn't completely replaced the lines people? Oh, yes, that is a great new technology. And also a great question with lots to talk about. But unfortunately, we don't have the time to cover that this week. Uh, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> how about one day we'll do a whole episode on that topic because it's actually used in a lot of different sports and not just tennis. And it's quite fascinating how it all works. Mm, well, I want to know. Um, but. If you'd like to know, if any listeners would love to hear uh, about that technology, do send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we always love hearing from you. And if you'd like to hear about this topic or if you have suggestions on other topics, um, please jot us a note. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five. And we will see you all next week.